is like this is it it's it's this is like you and I are just like having a conversation with a glass of wine at my place okay I knew I should have brought you a glass of wine <laughs> to like loosen you up a little <laughs> <laughs> yours and this is rebelliously tiny a podcast where each week a special guest helps me respond to one of the thousands of personal questions i've received on social media in a world that teaches us that strength is loud harsh and masculine this is a place for those of us whose struggle is both impossibly large and rebelliously tiny here's this week's question hey there I just wanted to let you know how much I love your art and how it makes me feel so understood and a little less alone. I'm 21 years old and for the past few months I've been feeling so alone and so afraid of what the future holds. I feel hopeless and useless. Most days I can't even get out of bed. I feel like I'm wasting my life. I need hope and motivation. Honestly, I need a bit of a reason to live. Do you ever feel this way? And do you have any words of wisdom? Okay, so hello. Hello. Um, could you introduce yourself to the listeners? I'm Joanne, and I just happen to be your mom. Okay, well, welcome, Mom. Thank you. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Um, okay, so basically I wanted you to be on this podcast because what I've been doing is having people um, help me answer some of the questions that people write to me on Tumblr when they're asking for advice and since you're the person who since I was a kid I've asked the most advice to I thought that you would be qualified to help me answer one of these questions and I feel like we pretty much had almost this exact same conversation two weeks ago. <laughs> so I thought um, it would be perfect. You never think you'll grow up to be like your mom. But after recording this episode, there's no denying that I already have. Not only do we physically look alike, but so many of her answers were almost verbatim things I've said and written to other people. I chose this question for my mom because I had asked her something very similar when I was having a mini meltdown of my own. So, as I said before, I do feel this way. I felt that way two weeks ago when you were staying at my place. Mm -hmm. And I basically said almost... The same words. The same words to you. To which you said, you have so much to live for. Look at the great relationship that you have with your cats. Right. (laughs) 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 Which, which Which is true. I do have a good relationship with my cats. But... You often, you always have really good advice. So I thought I'm going to share you with the world and have you give your good advice to other people. So other than the cat thing, what would you say to this person? Well, what she's feeling is probably, she's not the only one. I mean, I still feel that way. I know that feeling very, very well. Um, Growing up, I remember feeling that way. I still feel today, although I don't think I've grown up yet. My mom is the kind of person who's always helping others, almost to a fault. 
She always puts the needs of other people above her own. And being brought up by her very much influences my artistic practice today. Yet the difference between her and I is that while I'm an oversharer, she tends to keep her emotions to herself. This difference has often been the biggest difficulty in our relationship. My goal with this episode was to share her wisdom with the world, but to also try to get her to open up a little, which made her nervous. As she sat down in the studio and got ready to start recording, she looked as though she was bracing herself for an FBI interview. Nonetheless, the mood quickly became lighter, and in the end, this podcast gave us a venue and an excuse to discuss our relationship in a way we never had before. My mom is probably the one that I can look back to because for various reasons, she was a night person and it took me a long time to realize that she was scared of the dark. So in the morning, she had a hard time getting up and she was scared and she felt like she had no purpose in life. And then once she got up, she was like a Tasmanian devil. She never stopped. She got so many things done. And I, I just couldn't figure out how come she does so much during the day and she still feels like she's not, uh, she's not getting anywhere until I started feeling that way. I don't say I have as much energy as she does, but I know I do have a lot. Uh, suddenly at some point... I decided I didn't want to deal with this frustration. It was silly. It was a waste of energy. Waking up with negative feelings, um, I mean, you can't control them, but you can sort of push them aside. And I started thinking, so what? I guess if I look back, uh, I have three mantras, if I can call them that, or three things that go through my mind. So what is one of them? The hell with the rest is the other. And don't let the rats win. And it's not in a, in a competi competitive way. It's more in a who cares what other people think. As long as you yourself feel good within yourself, but you have to go pick out those little things that make you feel good. Yes, we all have plans. We all want to do lots of big projects and whatever. But we think that it's the end result that, that, that's so important. And it's not. It's getting there. And I know in, in, in a lot of the discussions that we've had, you and I, and you've come up with problems and you're crying and whatever. And I've repeated it to you. I've repeated it to your brother. Break it down. Break it into small pieces so you can swallow it easier. And don't be in such a rush. I can't even count how many times my mom has told me just to break it down. Take your problem and break it down into smaller, more manageable pieces, she would say. So I did, and I still do. And I try to encourage other people to do the same. And most of the time, it really helps. Yeah, I mean, I definitely I've definitely like given that exact advice on Tumblr to people. Um, and I think that's kind of what I was saying in a previous episode and kind of not so many words to not try to like figure everything out 
all at once to not like plan the whole future all at once but to just like take things in like smaller increments because you don't know what's going to happen on your way getting there so yes you plan but it doesn't mean that it's going to work exactly the way you th thought it would there are so many uncontrollables out there that that's why by breaking it down it makes it easier might not be the right word but it's sort of a little well easier to deal with than trying to deal with the whole picture uh, waking up in the morning and uh, feeling alone and sad and whatever yes and you live it and you but then you have to sort of say okay so what something went wrong yesterday I failed so what try again tomorrow or today will be another day I mean they're all cliches but you you go out and you get things to turn around your negative thoughts and try to put them into positive thoughts so that it works for you there's no I mean I can give advice and it'll it may not work for somebody else because they don't they don't have that same mind frame and that's why I'm a little cautious and I give generalities and just say well this is what's at hand try working with these you know what's available for you I think like you're the kind of person that's like always that people are always turned to when they're in a crisis like you're the crisis person or you're just like the person who's always welcoming strays into your home be it pets be it people our Christmas dinners are often made up of like a hodgepodge of people from all over who didn't have anywhere else to go and I feel like any of like our friends and family whenever someone needs something like you're the person they turn to because you're you're very good at just like listening and without telling people like you should do this you're very good at just um yeah just making things seem not as complicated and big part of being a parent is if you, you have your children and you you try you raise them and you want to give them all the tools that they need to go out on their own and the ultimate goal is letting them go so they can be that the person that they want to be and as a parent that's probably the most difficult thing to do is to let go I've seen a lot of friends whose relationship with their daughters or their son have gone completely haywire from 13 on because you there's no guidebook or instruction book on how to raise a kid and there's no kid that this, that's the same and and you sort of go with gut feel and you feel hurt but you also know it's the thing to do and that's why you have to sort of if you're going to give advice you sort of have to or try and give advice you sort of have to picture yourself into the other person's shoes you won't do a hundred percent but you can sort of see how they see it and by asking questions whether they're direct or indirect and you start feeling how people view things and you eventually start listening to what people are saying and why do they feel that way and what can you do to uh, yeah I could have dwelled on all the negative things that happened I don't say I had a terrible childhood but there were a lot of difficult moments and I just decided no 
I'm not going to dwell on that. It's there. I'm not pushing it away. I will use it and try to use it so that I can help other people because that's, that's what I seem to be able to do best. Yeah, you doesn't are. Doesn't always work, but <laughs> we've had our differences. What? What? <laughs> um, okay, so there's a lot I want to touch back on what you said. First is like when you're talking about parenting, um, I've been having different conversations with people, and one of the things I've been kind of thinking is that I feel like sometimes parents, like because they love their kids and they want to protect them from everything evil that the world has to offer, sometimes they give bad advice because they give the advice that they think will make life easiest for their kid, which in the se- which in a way makes it harder because the kid has to now defy their parent too, as well as society. Well, that's what I mean when you when I say you have to try and put yourself in other people's shoes. A lot of parents, yes, they they it's not because they're mean and they're terrible parents, but they because of whatever they've gone through through life, they know the dangers and they want to avoid. I mean, you want nothing but the best for your child, and you don't want them to go through the bad stuff. But you, as a parent, you have to realize they they have to go through some of the bad stuff so that they can build up resistance and be able to become their own person. Yeah. Um, You should give seminars on parenting. (laughs) And get all the hate mail. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, a lot of what I do is like a reflection of like what I grew up seeing you doing, like taking care of people. But I think what becomes sometimes overwhelming is that, and this has happened to me in friendships before, is that sometimes I've lost myself. You get over-involved. Yeah, and it can become, like, like so, like, all-consuming. And, like, the, the dynamic you have with people is so based on you helping them and them being used to you being the helper and I've felt sometimes really betrayed when I've needed help and those and they're people not there. aren't there. Yeah. In response to that, I've become almost like like afraid of opening up sometimes to people because... Well, you have to choose your echo chamber. I mean, uh, there's a question of establishing some kind of um, trust. And you don't want to talk to people that you know that they're going to bounce all your ideas or your experiences to other people in gaps. So you really have to choose your friends or whoever you're talking to. I mean, you can even, sometimes when things get so out of hand, you can even talk to a stranger. And the fact that, you know, you don't really know this person. Once he's gone or she's gone, that's it. But you've been able to voice it out. I think communication is very, very important. Why do people write to strangers online asking for help? This practice isn't something that I invented. It's something that already existed on sites like Tumblr. It's something that my work just fell into. Because when someone writes to you from such a personal and honest place, how do you not answer? Perhaps there's something comforting about telling your secrets to strangers online, but maybe there's more to it than that. In her book, Hunger Makes Me a Modern Girl, Carrie Brownstein wrote about how as a child she wrote to celebrities to tell them all about her troubles at home. 
She writes, A response, any response, implied that I existed, that I was not a weirdo, that I'd be okay. I could have gone to a school counselor or even talked to my parents, but I needed someone on TV or in the movies to reach out to me. Not because they were famous, but because they were so far away. It was like being seen from outer space. Suddenly I didn't feel small. I was bigger than the house I was living in, larger than my town. Thanks to them, I somehow belonged to the world. Yeah, I think that's like been part of like our family history of like female mental illness, like not being diagnosed and not being talked about. No. Like it's only recently that within talking to you that I knew that you found it hard to like for me too like when I relate to this question like getting out of bed in the morning is always the hardest part of my day and like grandma like I have a hard time sometimes going to bed at night and so but like I've never talked about that with her and we've only started talking about it recently and I know like that's not something you talked about in your family and no and you had an older sister who also had pretty volatile emotions and that wasn't really talked about and you were sort of the middle child like you said who had to keep everything together um do you think it it would have been better to talk about it or do you think it was just like at that time it's just you just didn't probably would have helped and reduced a lot of anxiety uh, probably had I talked about it way back when I wouldn't be so reserved about my feelings today um, I don't know that's a good question uh, I know that uh, I think my parents were overwhelmed they got married really really young my mom had emotional problems from they weren't bad emotional problems, but she had insecurity. She lost her mom really young and was brought up by her, her, her mother's sister and grandmother and et cetera, et cetera. Um, coming back to getting out of bed in the morning, having watched my mom, especially in the last years of her life, having watched her lose that cap capacity of saying, okay, so what? I'm getting up and this is what I'm going to do. As she grew older, she it seems like she'd run out of steam. And to me, that's scary. That's very, very scary because she was very, very strong. She had her faults, but she had her very, very strong um, character. She, uh, she had a lot, of, uh, a lot of things to deal with through her life, uh, but she always did. And... Um, seeing the way she left the li life her life was sad and sometimes when I grovel and feel sorry for myself and I'm in bed even though I've got four cats and a dog trying to get me out of bed uh, I think no I don't want to end it that way I don't want to lose I need to go get my stamina so it's almost like a motivation to get out of bed and say I can do this so the so what comes with, if I fail, so what? And then if I try something and I'm not sure, it's like the hell with the rest, I'm gonna try it. 
Let's see what happens. And don't let the rats win is when everything is bleak and they seem to be coming from all the corners and I just say, no, nah, I'm not going to let them win. So I think in a way it's a lot like not giving the hard things in life so much importance because I think like often it's like one of those things like you'll get like 20 compliments but you'll remember like the one insult you got that day Yeah. and I think we do that with like problems like there could be like 20 good things happening but the one problem just gets so big and maybe in a sense kind of what you're saying is like to not let the problem be that important do not let it eat you up Mm-hmm. You're not perfect, so what? And I think that's another thing. And I, I look at the generations today, and or the the young people today, and there's so much. They have to perform. They have to perform. They have to be better. They they have to be perfect or whatever. It's got to be terrifying, and it's got to be um, tiring to the utmost. And I wonder when do they ever relax? You've got all this technology, which is great. It's eliminated a lot of the tediousness of some some things you have to do. But on the other hand, you go to bed, you got your phone, you're clicking. You get up, first thing you do is you click your phone, check your messages. And it's not that I'm saying it's wrong. I'm doing it. And I'm going, what am I doing? I've become a, fl- a slave to this thing. There's com- communication, but there's no involvement. Yeah, I think there's sometimes just like an overload of media that's available and it becomes a habit and then suddenly you're just like only half paying attention to what's going on mm-hmm. right next to you. And I say this as we're creating a media that I hope people listen to all <laughs> the time. <laughs> but and as someone who posts drawings and stuff on social media but <laughs> so don't get rid of it all together no, no, i'm not saying get rid of it i'm not saying that it's all bad i'm just balance maybe try yeah word? try to find a balance yeah i think and i think what this is what kind of this whole question is about it's about like just like finding a balance and i also think another thing that's really important about this question is that like there are sometimes when you can't do it alone mm-hmm. and those are and like when all of this just seems too hard like asking for help is really important and that's something I'm still learning how to do um, to ask people for help it's probably the hardest thing to do because you've you set goals for yourself and I'm just saying in general not saying you yourself although you do do that but uh, you set goals for yourself, and you say, of course I can do this. And then all of a sudden you realize, uh-oh, there's only 24 hours in a day. I can't do this by myself. Does that make me a failure? Of course not. Not to be a failure is to go ask for help and try to get you know, people involved in whatever. And this, this person here who's saying uh, she doesn't want to get out of bed, she feels alone or whatever, or I can understand that. Then put yourself in a situation where you're with people. Either do volunteer work if you can, even if it's an hour a week, an hour a month, just so that you surround yourself and you know you choose a format that works for you and makes you feel good. There's nothing wrong with doing something because it makes you feel good. 
and you're helping out others. Mm-hmm. Could be anything. Could be working with kids. Could be working with seniors. Could be cleaning out a park. It could be anything, but something that's other than what you do on a daily basis. You have to build up your self worth, and that's maybe a little bit of what maybe her environment is not making her feel all that great. So go out and try and find something that will make you feel good, and enjoy that feeling of feeling good. And if all else fails, you just buy a cat. Yeah. And when your kids leave and you feel alone, you go get a cat. And when your second child, you go get another cat. And then you end up with a cat house. (laughs) (laughs) But it's all part of, I mean, we laugh, but it's all part of you do things to make yourself feel good, to give you the energy to go do other things, to try and achieve your goals. If you're always knocking your head against the wall and uh, fighting obstacles, you're going to have a hard time trying to do what you want to do or finding out what you want to do because you're fighting all the time. Hmm. Good advice. It's not advice. Well, I guess you want to call it advice, maybe. It's good mom advice. But it's, I'm a mom. Do you know what's really funny, though, is that like so much of what you're saying is like almost word for word of what I've been saying in other episodes. It's like in doing this, I'm realizing like how much I got from you. Well, I keep telling you. <laughs> One day you're going to say, oh, my God, I'm becoming my mom. And I've heard you say that. <laughs> I think I am already. Be- I'm, I'm partially. There's already. nothing wrong with that, <laughs> even though we don't want to admit it. I mean, I've said it to my mom. Okay, oh, my God, I'm becoming like you. So you could have done worse. That's true. I could have done much worse. Yes. And we won't <laughs> we won't name names. I know, we just <laughs> thought of exactly the same person, but we will not name names. No, we will not. Was there anything that came up for either of you as we're chatting? You feel free to step in. Let me see if there's anything. Don't let else. me scare you. <laughs> um, something that I was thinking about sometimes it's okay to fail and it's okay to not be perfect every single day and I just started to think about how different it is when say you're very present on Facebook and Instagram and different um, social medias where you're kind of presenting an image of yourself that maybe you feel pressure for that image to be perfect and what you see of other people is often like perfect and you see their moments of success and you see their moments of happiness usually and I think there are really amazing social media profiles that actually challenge that and I think it's really awesome because social media can be a space where you're like oh my god they feel like I do sometimes or like wow that's so great that they're showing this vulnerability that I share too and it can be a space to do that but I feel like predominantly sometimes there's this pressure for it to be a space where you show off success and you show like the way even though the way that you look um just that kind of thing and I wonder if that has to do with especially younger people who it's very much a big part of their life to have a phone and be on it a lot but if that just kind of contributes to that pressure where it doesn't feel like it's okay to fail uh, I think that's what I meant when I was talking about, you know, being overloaded with the uh, with all the social media. I mean, I'm not against it. I'm not on a lot of it. Um, uh, yeah, you do have to perform. Mm-hmm. And 
there are days that um, I remember way back when, before cell phones, we are watching the Jetsons, if anybody knows what the Jetsons are. And, you know, they get on the phone and the picture was there. And, and now you can do that with your, your iPhone. But um, I remember way back then saying, my God, what do you do if you answer your phone and you're in your jammies, you got curlers in your head and you, you haven't even brushed your teeth yet? Well, we're there. And everybody has, to, that's why I say that you, the younger generation seems to have a lot more pressure. We had pressure. Every generation has pressure, but it changes and it's for different reasons. So yes, I may not understand all the, 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 the computer world and all the, how the gizmos work and whatever, but I do understand being pressured because of them. And sometimes you just have to turn it off so that you don't become enslaved by it. And, you know, if you turn it off and you go, oh, my God, what am I missing? So what? It'll be there when you go back. Yeah, it's like this social pressure to, like, curate your life in a way that it's perfect. And who criticizes the most? The ones with the more problems. Yeah. Most problems, maybe. Um, yeah, I always appreciate when people are just a bit more, like, honest or vulnerable. And that's kind of what I try to do in my Tumblr. But what's interesting is um, I'm probably one of your biggest advocates, as you know. I brag about you all the time, <laughs> uh, as I do with my son. But the people from my generation that I've I've given your link to or whatever, m- all of them have come back and said, there's so much in her drawings. My God, I know exactly. That's the way I feel. Now, you're talking of people in between 40 and 70. So you are obviously touching the right button somewhere. Uh, and it's not necessarily about, look at me, look at me, look at how good uh, an artist I am what you're doing is being appreciated and it's being followed uh, by many different generations which means that maybe we old guys are starting to opening our eyes to open our eyes and look around us more and be less reserved and be more open-minded we were brought up to be closed-minded and the ones that were open I'm talking about females the ones that were really open-minded with chastise. Um, I went to my room very often, but uh, now it, it you're by what you're posting, people are saying, "Oh, hey, that's the way I feel." Oh, yeah, I like that picture. That that makes sense. Um, and I think we need a lot more of that. I think that like a lot of emotions, even though they don't come from the exact same place, mm-hmm. they can be still similar. Like your life experience can be completely different, mm-hmm. but you can still like relate to some of the emotions. And I think that sharing emotions and sharing personal pieces of yourself is a really powerful thing. While sometimes our parents don't quite understand us or don't quite know what's actually best for us, We have to remember that they come from a different time, where communication was mediated differently. We sometimes have to learn to communicate 
through this technology generation gap. We have to learn to accept that our appreciation and understanding of things is different, and that different doesn't necessarily mean that one is better than the other. I maybe want to ask you one thing uh -oh. that I've been thinking about a lot uh -oh. before we Here go. Here it is. <laughs> this is the gotcha journalism part. Um, I guess I've always felt in like our family that I'm, well, I am like the emotional one. No, really? <laughs> um, and the confrontational one, whereas you and my brother are a little bit more reserved um, with your feelings. Mm -hmm. And I guess that and that's maybe been my only kind of real struggle with our dynamic is that sometimes I feel like, while you've always like given me room to have emotions, I sometimes feel like, like I'm like the crazy one, you know, like. Because I, you show emotions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't, and we don't. Yeah. And like sometimes like it's just, it feels like you guys just find it like excessive. It's not, okay, I'll talk from, I'll speak for myself. It's not that I find it excessive. It's that I'm being pushed against the wall or that's the way I feel. Because you're right, I am reserved. I don't show, I try not to show emotion. Um, you get frustrated because we won't say how we feel. Um, and I can see your point of view on that. But it's not always easy. Um, you shouldn't feel that we think you're nuts. I mean, I know you're nuts. But uh, no, it's not a question of sanity. It's a question of all of a sudden, je me sens visé. Like, all of a sudden, okay, I have to react. Mm -hmm. And I've tried very hard not to. I've tried to be very neutral or whatever. And maybe that's why it's giving you the idea that I, I don't agree with, you know, what you're doing or what you're saying. But every time that you have... Um, exploded um, there was a lot of good that came out of it because you forced us to um, say what we were thinking and that's not always easy at least not for me and I don't think it's very easy for your, your brother either uh, I don't know I guess I would like to be sort of halfway in between his non-committal and your, your very uh, vocal um, expression of the way you feel. And that's what I'm trying to achieve now. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's always really tricky to deal with this when you have, like, different personalities. Exactly. Because, like, when you say that when I, like, when I, like, speak up or confront, like, that it makes you feel, I know, it, I know that it makes you and my brother feel like the, you're backed into a corner sometimes or it just it feels too confrontational but for me not talking about things feels just as bad like that's how I feel backed in a corner like mm -hmm. the silence to me is like overwhelming so I think yeah it's just it's maybe it's just tricky to it, it's tricky but it's a question of learning I mean you never stop learning even at my right old age how do we learn to communicate with one another when we deal with emotions so differently? Should the burden of highlighting all that is being left unsaid 
always be on the emotionally outspoken? Or is it up to those who are more reserved to change who they are to appease those whose emotions aren't so easy to stow away? That is a question that is constantly being tossed around in my family and my relationships, and I still don't have a perfect answer. I mean, relationships are difficult, and you have to work at them all the time. It's not because you've been together for X number of years that you've got it down pat. No, it changes constantly. And, you know, even you and I, I mean, our relationship has changed over, I'd say, probably the last year. It's not the same. It grows. I feel it's growing. Um, maybe you have a, a better awareness of where I'm coming from through your own life experience. I'm no longer in a position to say, you know, when you end up doing this, you'll see why I react this way. Well, you're there. You have experiences that maybe are similar, not necessarily in the same field, but similar to mine, so you understand a little bit more. And it's just learning to, to know each other even more and keeping, trying to keep your eyes and ears open and, and uh, reacting to that. So just keep trying. Just keep trying. I mean, n never stop dreaming. I mean, that's number one. Never, ever stop dreaming. Try your best. And just say, if you fail, so what? Basically. I know I'm repeating myself, but it works no, for good. me. It works, good. it works for me, so. Yeah. So what's are good. Yep. Also, tearing up rejection letters is a good thing. That's what a shredder is for. <laughs> But sometimes it's better to just... Yeah, it's a bit more violent to mm, crumple yeah, and tear it up. Yeah, or sometimes to just going outside and screaming at the top of your lungs, that helps. It's harder in the city, though. Yeah, in the city <laughs> it might, but I, that works You for live me too. in the country, it's a bit easier. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Mom, for... You're welcome, sweetie. ...being here and for being so open. My pleasure. Okay, so I'm sitting in my closet using a not-so-great recording device because there's something I have to add and I don't have access to a studio right now. While editing this episode, months after recording it, I realized that there's one important point that I want to emphasize a little more. Ask for help. When you're feeling low and worthless, and especially if you're having thoughts of wanting to harm yourself in any way, ask for help. Ask a friend, a parent, a teacher, a therapist, call a helpline. Just don't keep it to yourself. It took me a long, long, long time to realize this, but asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. It's a sign that you're willing to fight for yourself. It's the ultimate act of self-care. As I mentioned in the first episode, this whole podcast was my way of asking for help, both with my public artistic work and with my own personal questions. Before making this podcast, I was feeling really isolated and alone, and the process helped me feel more connected to my community. But sometimes your personal network just isn't enough, and you have to seek professional help which is what I recently did, and what I'm doing, 
it's a process. And remember, even when our emotions and problems seem unimportant and so small that we don't even want to say them out loud, so tiny that we think no one would even care, they're still valid. Because everything that is dismissed as unimportant and small has the power to be rebelliously tiny. Thank you for listening to season one of this podcast. Thank you to those who shared it with their friends and sent feedback along the way. I truly hope we find the means and partners to make a second season. And if you have any advice, please send it our way. In the meantime, keep sending your questions and comments, either by email at ambivalently.yours at gmail.com or through any of the social media that I'll list in the credits. Thank you so, so much. Rebelliously Tiny was written, produced, and edited by me, Ambivalently Yours, and co-produced by Hannah McCasland. The music is by Greg Barkley. This episode was recorded at Obero Artist Run Center in Montreal, with technical support from Stéphane Claude. Special thanks to the entire team at Obero for their technical, financial, and emotional support. Additional thanks to our special guests for taking the time to talk with us. To learn more about my work and this podcast, please visit my website, ambivalentlyyours.com, or follow me on social media, at ambivalentlyyours on Instagram and Facebook, at ambivalentlyyou on Twitter. To see the drawing inspired by this episode, or to submit a question of your own, please check out the Tumblr where this all began, ambivalentlyyours.tumblr.com. If you like our podcast, please share it with your friends and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. With your help, hopefully we can build up enough momentum so that website development and shippable mattress companies want to fund our second season. Thank you.